0: This week in cyberspace. That is right. We love our computers, right, and all the ab-fab apps that we use. But what did it take for them to be so smart? And what was the human cost of building all that AI technology? Well, content moderators in Kenya are currently suing Meta for a range of things, including lack of mental health support because these people have to review violent and sometimes even illegal content so that we don't have to. Uh, Brett, this case against Meta, which owns Facebook and Instagram and other familiar platforms, is so interesting because it's like the humans are fighting back against big tech and, and large language generative. AI on the grounds of abuse. Yeah. Hi,
1: Now, Great to be here for this week in cyberspace. And it is interesting, isn't it? Because we often talk about like, you know, the, te- the technology, the impact of technologies, the, the kind of the piping behind the technology, but we often forget the human. And what this case has really done is like put into focus the fact that like to actually get a lot of these large language models happening to, to, you know, annotate the data to be able to, you know, place it and categorize it is done by humans. And that means that humans need to look at all the content, good and bad, to look at the data sets, some which are, you know, quite offensive and illegal as well. And so those folks in Kenya um, are taking meta to court to basically say that they have, you know they're suffering trauma. That they're suffering mental health anguish. That they haven't been provided with the proper support.
0: Yeah, because these um, workers it, kind of filter out references to violence and sexual abuse. They're like they're like a human filter. They have to read descriptions of extreme violence, of rape, suicide, and they have to categorise those that content for the AI. Um, so there's a human data input to train the digital algorithm, um, but. But, but the difference is that AI doesn't get traumatised yet, <laughs> I think. Yeah, as far well, as I we can don't tell. Know.
1: We <laughs> well, that would be an interesting kind of development when they're kind of you know sending the algorithm to to a counsellor to like process yes. the, the, the the day's works. You know, but that's right. I mean, it is it is the fact that humans, and it's not just humans as well. I like often what we found in the content um, moderation space, when content also had to be reviewed, not just information that was got data that was going to the data sets, um, you know, it was often outsourced. And that means that rich Northern companies are often generally outsourcing that review of the content that you talked about um, to folks in the global South or in the global majority. And so there's just another example of the way that, you know, wealth and wealth generation sort of floats to the north and people who are doing the dirty work and they're doing it in countries like Kenya, like India, like Pakistan. No wonder they're taking out court cases.
0: Yeah, because workers, if they raise these issues, that there is a psychological toll on them, they're having nightmares. I mean, there are reports of people just living in fear. They're threatened with dismissal if they speak out about it. So, again, Mm -hmm. not only are they not being paid properly, uh, I think they're being paid about $1.50 to $3.75 an hour um to Mm. do this kind of work uh it is exploitation isn't
1: it i mean i think that there's you know there's a real lack of um awareness within silicon valley of like what are the consequences of reviewing this content it's really interesting it's like let's send it off and then we'll get it back you know categorized and datafied in the way that we need it the human toll is real uh, and and thank God that the court cases are actually in place. I think the other thing that we're seeing in Kenya as well, which is really interesting that you might have also um, read about, is that not only is there a case against Meta, but there's also an appeal by around 200 um, 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 tech workers to the lawmakers in Kenya to actually do proper investigation, because it's not just like the courts, I think, that need to be used, but also... Like there needs to be regulation. There needs to be legislation around this. What are the conditions that big tech workers should be, um, you know, able to rely upon and how, to, how do lawmakers all over the world make sure that people aren't being um, exploited or abused?
0: Yeah, because um, these guys didn't even know what they were doing. You know, they didn't yeah. realise that they were helping to build um, chat GPT, basically. Um, you know, this is one of the most viral tech products of all time and it's got millions, tens of millions of users jumped on board yeah. since it launched last November. So, yeah. chat GPT is owned by OpenAI, which is owned by Microsoft and and it is also being investigated for abuses in Kenya. Um, you wonder why Kenya, but it it's because they were colonised and a lot of them speak English and also because they have good Wi-Fi in the country apparently.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, often what happens is when big tech is looking uh, for places to outsource, you know, these are some of the considerations, like how tech is the population what kind of connectivity do they have? Do they speak English in ways, or the the language of the you know of the tech companies looking for, in ways that support the platform? And Kenya is is often a country which is um, relied upon, and also as we're seeing, also you know workers being exploited. Um, you know, India is another example as well, and I think I mentioned also um, Pakistan. But you know, one of the things that I think is really um, interesting and concerning, of course, about all of this is like. What are the consequences of AI on work? And you know, you can have, you can look at like the ways in which the union movement is dealing with this. You know, union movements always have always had to deal with like what are the consequences um, of technology on the workplace. You know, what happened with the printing press? What happened with you know, you just name a technology which is often disrupting workplaces. This is like the latest. Um, iteration of that. And I think that, and you're seeing it, of course, I mean, I think many people are probably watching and you now would be watching closely what's happening with the the screenwriters in the US. That is another example of how work is being influenced, displaced or even dislodged by AI.
0: Yeah, and actors are terribly concerned. They've just joined the screenwriters in their protest, uh, in their kind of stop work protest because their image, their likeness is um, being signed away for use in perpetuity forever so <laughs> they're basically written out of a role by ai the the computer can generate their image and their likeness and um, create and characters script.
1: yeah and the script and, and the script i mean i think you know i think most many people who have been who are listening have probably used chat gpt uh, or bard or one of the other um, you know generative ai platforms it's incredible like i went to see um, I went to see Carmen last night, uh, the film. It's a new film. Um, um, and, you know, I asked just – I was just, you know, playing around with the tool and I was like, write me a poem about Carmen. And it delivered within like before it even – just after I pressed send, like this extraordinary poem about the plight of Carmen. Um, you know, so you can imagine what that does for – you know, You can, who's going to write the next episode of Succession? Uh, Is it going to be a human or is it going to be AI? So this is another industry that's, again, impacted so significantly by technology.
0: Well, we, we know one thing for sure. Jerry Hall will not be writing that next episode <laughs> of uh, Succession because she's uh, signed cool. away the rights to tell the story uh, writers anything about oh, right. her relationship with Rupert Murdoch. But let's talk about Sama for a while. That's the outsourcing company which employs these Kenyan workers. It mm. get, I mean, the workers get paid, as I mentioned, $1.5 dollars. Um, Osama gets paid twelve dollars fifty by OpenAI for every hour um, that they work on this. So it really looks like exploiting cheap labor in this case. You know, you knew you knew the creator of this company, who was once the darling yeah. of the tech industry. Tell us about her. Well, actually,
1: she's um, she started the company I think in about two thousand and eight, and it just goes to show, like. How things can go awry because her whole platform was that you know you can digitally empower people around the world who can largely women actually who can use the digital platform to be able to do um, you know digital work outsource so that you know you can be you can quite, um, um, you know determine the legality or otherwise of content you can you know um, quantify you can all the things that you could do. Um, you know, in an office, you can actually outsource it to a person, um, you know, digitally. And so, it started off being really, like, thought of as a really positive thing. But now, what you're seeing is that some of the the company, which was started by Layla, is a person who I did know, and she, I know that she was there with good intentions, um, but – you know how the way it's rolled out now is that you know some has been taken to court along with the, some of the tech companies, including in the Meta case, I think, um, to say that like this is the the sort of the third party in between the company and the worker that's responsible for the conditions in which the 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 workers have, you know have had to um, uh, engage in their their work and in the technology, underpaid, underresourced. Um, as you said, some people didn't even know what they were. Um, classifying, um, no mental health support, etc.
0: Well, um, Sama said that they did give some of their teams, you know, like the sexual content teams, access to wellness sessions and prayer and meditation rooms. But Asama spokeswoman said that um, the company's leadership was unaware of the psychological impact that the project I was having find on that. workers. I mean, it is... Are they for real? Kind of very, very <laughs> you're gonna questionable. S- you're going to sit humans down in front of all this toxic content and expect them to walk away unscathed?
1: Yeah. I mean, look, it's really scraping the the bottom of the internet barrel. Like, that's the stuff that they're looking at. Um, and so, you know, the leadership had to be aware of the consequences of that. I read a couple of stories of some of the case studies of, of the individuals who have brought the claim uh, to the court. And you can hear the, you know, there was a woman from Ethiopia who just was actually doing, uh, you know, herself had es- escaped war and conflict, who was then subject to all of this like violent content that she had to review. So, you know, the irony there is is um, very bitter. Uh, and I think it gives, it's just an example of the way in which um, big tech, you know, has it just has has had so many impacts on society so much impact on the, often the most marginalized as well people who are looking for work people who think that there's an opportunity here to engage in like you know the wealth and the kind of uh, of of technology and in fact you know again just like scraping the bottom of the barrel in order to like make a livelihood
0: you're listening to This Week in Cyberspace, where we stand for humans in the AI age, and we're talking about a new class of worker, a growing class of worker who's responsible for reviewing material that's toxic, um, but but th- those workers are starting to unionise now to challenge big companies, um, because that they found it was not just summer, but the whole country, Kenya, was going through the same kind of experiences, so they're fighting for better conditions. Um, Where is it at at the moment? Do you know? They put a petition into government to regulate the AI industry. Um, How is that going on? Because this, as I say, is just going to continue to grow in terms of its demand. Mm. People are going to need to be employed to do this kind of difficult, to say the least, work.
1: Mm. Well, I mean, I think that the whole the whole AI sector is, you know, there is a push towards regulation. We've seen in the European Union context, um, which we've talked about in previous weeks, about the AI Act, which is like Europe trying to take a stand. Much of it is about the consequences and the impact of the technology as opposed to the workers who are engaged in the sector. Um Um, So, you know, as far as I'm aware, I think this case in Kenya is like one of the few, but definitely the early and not the last uh, attempt to draw attention to the rights of workers. And, um, you know, we see the high sort of profile events like we mentioned in, in, in Hollywood, but it's really important that we look under the hood. That we make sure that the people who are enabling the technologies um, don't just have to fight on, on cases that there's actually like a regulatory framework, and I think that's yet that's ahead of us.
0: I should mention that Sama no longer takes content moderation projects, so that uh, they're not right. putting those kind of people under that um, under that duress anymore.
1: Yeah, but, but th- you know, just just on that matter, like. There's also now a claim for unfair dismissal as well by those people who were fired um, when when someone decided to move out of the business in Kenya. So, you know, you can't really win. I think it's important that, um, you know, past past wrongs are actually righted. And so, we'll again, we'll see what the outcome of that is.
0: Brett Solomon, thank you so much. I hope you get on your road trip very <laughs> <Thank> soon. <you. laughs> and uh, we'll talk again next week.
1: Excellent much now.